Mark the song of invitation this evening is number 53. Again, the song of invitation this evening is number 53. <clears throat> the song before the lesson this evening will be number 566. Number 566. <clears throat> they tried my Lord and Master with no one to defend within the halls of Pilate. He stood
I was going to say I'll resist the temptation to go to the song across the page, but I didn't do that. Uh, But I'll be a friend to Jesus. Pray that as we sung that song, as well as the others, that you've listened very carefully to the words that you were singing. That we teach and we admonish one another in our psalms and our hymns and our spiritual songs. Reminding ourselves that while Jesus was on earth, he had no friend. And we are declaring that we will be a friend of Jesus. Understanding the difficulties that indeed may come as a result of that. The scripture at the top of that song is that of Mark chapter 8 and verse 38. Only part of the verse is given in the book, but in the scriptures in Mark 8 and verse 38. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. We're not with him Indeed, we are against him. Thinking as we're talking about making a commitment to Christ and to God and the willingness to want to do his will. In the relationship that we have between God and us, there is not a mathematical equation that fits it. It's almost like in a marriage. Sometimes you hear people talk about in a marriage, it's a 50-50 proposition. And I always tell them that's not so. Who gets to decide what's 50% you're going to do? It's 100% on both sides. And so it is with a Christian and God. God gave 100%. For our salvation. We are asked to give 100% of our soul to God. Not only equals 100%. The totality of God and our totality is what makes us complete. The problem is that we live in a fleshly body. We live in a physical world, and Satan is active in what he's striving to do. That's why Paul and the other writers of the New Testament write to encourage us and challenge us to be very mindful of what is involved. Paul, as he was writing to the Corinthians, as we know from previous readings of the book, and lessons that the Corinthian church had its multiple problems. But as they had those problems, Paul had addressed them as the church of God, called to be saints, with a reminder that again there is a life that God is expecting from us, and sometimes we fall a little bit short. Looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 
starting at verse 10 and following for our reading. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Doesn't take long to read on to realize they already had not kept that aspect of it. That's why he's having to address them, but reminding them of, again, who they are. They've been purchased by the blood of Christ, and they belong to God. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now, I say this, that each one of you says, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. Lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Human beings being unique and separate, if you will, do have differences of opinions. Paul is addressing that all the way through the Corinthian letter. In some places it's okay, in some places it's not. We have to look at what is involved. And then we have to also have to realize, as he will bring out, the fact that there is but one body that belongs to Christ. And that we are to be joint members of that one body, having the same care for one another. Didn't take Paul long to learn that Satan is active. He was active then. He's been active since the Garden of Eden. He has not ceased. And again, it's the church That is a prime target for Satan. He already has the world. They're already under his sway. All you need to do is listen to people talk in the world and you can hear the sway that he has over them. But he's looking at those who have come out of his kingdom and into the kingdom of God's marvelous light. 
Those who have been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. To have sins washed away and remembered no more. Those in the world find it very difficult to acknowledge that they have sinned and to acknowledge that there is a way for it to be removed. Many are convinced that they cannot have it removed and that it will follow them all the days of their life. We live in a world that has done its best to try to remove any sense of an individual obligation and responsibility to a life that they live. They're being told that a life that they choose to live, they're being told that things they choose to engage in are not their fault. It's genetics. Or it's a disease, as opposed to saying, you made a choice. And now there's consequences that follow. But Satan is active in trying to divide and to split and to harm the church that Jesus purchased with his precious blood. This is what was going on in the Corinthian letter. You read both letters. And you read of the time that Paul will spend in trying to deal, one, with the problems that they faced trying to get them to see the foolishness of some of the things that they were purporting and wanting to follow, and to see the seriousness of what is involved when we try to cause the body of Christ to be divided. They were losing their faith, and ultimately they would lose their salvation if changes were not made within the life of those at Corinth. God, or Satan, is still striving to destroy the unity of God's church wherever and whenever he can do just that. That's why it's good for us to take the advice that Paul would give as he encourages the Christian here in Corinth. Be of one mind. Serve one master and share one message. Be of one mind. Oftentimes, you've heard me say, I don't mind if it's being of the same mind as long as you think as I think. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about our having the mind of Christ. That is, as, as he would tell the Philippians there in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Have this mind in you, this attitude in you that was in Christ Jesus. This attitude of servanthood, being a servant. The attitude of being willing to lay down one's life. As you read through the Corinthian letter, you read that about Paul. The willingness to count what he's gained as lost to count whatever he had in the fleshly world as rubbish in order to be found as a servant of Jesus Christ. To realize that no man can serve two masters, Jesus said, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will cling to one and he will despise the other. 
cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon there being riches, riches going back ultimately, the love of riches going back to Satan. Cannot serve God and Satan. It does not work. It makes life miserable in one's life. So a choice has to be made. And again, once the choice is made, once we understand again a commitment that we've made to come out of a world of sin, to be willing to do the things that God would have us to do, can the change take place within our life? There are those who are claiming to be followers of Paul or Apollos or Cephas, even as Christ. In today's society, sometimes that would be called preacheritis, preferring one over another. And cases could be made for each of those, if you will. Their capabilities, their position, what they've been able to achieve, their eloquence in speech, whatever it may be, even a being of Christ. But that had a sense of pride in it as well and of arrogance of thinking that they were above the others. But reminding ourselves that we are simply, only, completely servants of Jesus Christ. Our task is to do the things that he would be pleased in. And when there is that division, it leads to unhealthy living. And again, God is writing through the inspiration of Paul what it is that would take for that to not be the case. Paul addresses the problem very early in the letter. Then he will unfold it chapter by chapter as, as to what each of these particular problems were that they were dealing with. And as you read through those problems, you can see, again, the root of it, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. The three weapons that Satan uses very effectively, even among those who want to be servants of God. Why Jesus would remind us that we are to take up that cross daily and to follow him. Again, that cross is self-denial. That cross is crucifixion, denying of self. And it's a daily task. Each day we wake up, the task is there. What are you going to do today? Who is it that you're setting about to please? And what is it that the one you want to please would have you to do on this particular day. Constant reminder there. As Paul would tell the Galatians in Galatians 2 and verse 20, that I no longer live. It is Christ who lives in me. And that life that I now live in the flesh, see, that's the physical life. The life that I now live in the flesh, that's the things that I do day by day. That's where I go 
in a job. That's where I go for recreation. That's what I go in when I eat. That's what I go in my free time. Whatever it is, the life that I now live in the flesh, I'm to live by faith. And the Son of God who gave himself for me. That constant reminder. Again, back to Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. That constant reminder there in our life. The reminder here in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10. To be of that same mind. Have this mind in you that was indeed in Christ Jesus. That we're going to have to decide and determine who it is that we're going to follow. And why? For those that are in Christ, you already have an understanding of the why. You already have an understanding of what the world was like that you were in before you left it to become a child of God. You already had a glimpse of the futility of the life that we were living outside of Christ. And to realize the only hope we had was to become a part of his body. And then, again, to renew the mind time and time again. To remind ourselves, because we walk in the flesh. The desire is to walk according to the flesh. The desire is to walk by faith, or by sight, rather than by faith. Paul would have to tell the Corinthians that later on. We walk by faith and not by sight. We're given the scriptures that as we study them, as we meditate on them, as we seek to apply them in our lives, that there's really very little that we fully grasp and understand of who God is, why he loves us, why he works in us, and why he stays with us with an anticipation of our one day being with him eternally. That he would make preparation ahead of time. Jesus in John 14, 1 through 3. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. The beauty of just that thought. I'm going to prepare a place for you in the Father's house. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. The fact that he will come again. The fact that when he comes again, he's coming for you. He's coming for you who are faithful to him. He's never abandoned you. He's sent his spirit. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. He's given His Word to guide us through this life, to help us through this life. He's given us promises that we will but listen to those. We don't catch a glimpse 
Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Our God, He is able. There's never a doubt about that. We live in a religious world that wants to accuse us, if you will, who believe that you can fall from salvation, fall from grace, that you're not trusting the power of God. You're saying God can fail. No. Our God is able. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. For that God who is able gave us free will. That's what the scriptures remind us from Genesis through Revelation. Man has free will. In spite of what God has done, in spite of the blessings that he's given, in spite of the care that he's shown, and the victories that he's brought about because of who he is, man has listened to the wrong voice and chose to listen to Satan along the way. Ours is to be a follower of him. Paul would tell the Corinthians, I appeal to you, brothers, that in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the appeal is not from Paul. It's not the request that we would make to one another. It's the understanding that any time there is division, which the scriptures remind us throughout throughout those scriptures, that that has happened time and time again. But I'm beseeching you, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree with one another, and that there be no divisions among you. Think about who Jesus is. Think about why he came. Think about the hurt that we caused to him. The hurt that we caused to his name. Jesus reminds us in what we call the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The vision that we see in the religious world as well as the division that arises in God's people. The world glories in that. The world rejoices in that. The world is glad to be able to tell you Why would I want to follow you who don't even know what you believe or agree with one another? That's why the challenge is there, to be of that same mind. That they may see our good works and may be able to glorify God who is in heaven. Again, it's true in the church that is not true anywhere else. Everything else that the world seeks to achieve for unity, for oneness, 
for equality is not achievable by the means that they've chosen to use. Because the unity is only established and brought about by the blood of Jesus Christ. Barriers are broken down. You read about the division that was there for God's people, separate from the world and the hatred towards one another, all the way down through history. And then to read that in God there is no partiality. It's what the world wants, but are not able to find because they're looking in the wrong place. And at times it's not found with us because we are looking at the wrong place. We're looking inward. We're looking outward. But usually, we're not looking upward. The unity comes from God. The unity comes by our deciding that's where we want to be is with God. There is nothing here that can be any more precious than the hope of eternal life with God in heaven. There's no prize here. There's no satisfaction here of any achievement if it's not found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. To remove those barriers, to remind us time and time again, be perfect perfectly united in mind and in thought. That's the denial of self again. It's not what I think, it's what you think that matters. It's what God thinks. It's what Christ has said. It's what his word teaches that makes the difference. And ours is to have that desire to the best of our ability to know that that's exactly what we're striving for. And that's exactly what we hope to achieve, to, to achieve one day. The purpose of the church is very simple. To preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to every creature. To be united in purpose. To be united with the same goal. A world is lost without Christ. Paul reminds us that in Romans 1, verses 18 through 32. Sad commentary as you read down through there to see what the people were willing to do and to follow as opposed to looking to God for the answers. But equally sad is to see God's people throughout the scriptures who would look in the same direction as the Gentiles did. And that they would set up idols as well. And that they would set up their own method 
of worship and service to God, contrary to what they had received from God. When one varies from his word, then anything is available. But to keep coming back, what unites us together is the purpose that we have. We're his. We're to glorify him. We're to speak his word, to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom. Paul would have to tell the Corinthians as well, I did not come to you with eloquence of speech. I do not want your salvation resting on man's wisdom. I want it resting on God's word. That's where your salvation belongs is on God's word. Desiring to do the things that indeed would be pleasing in his sight. To seek, to know what it is, desire to learn it, to understand its power, and to understand again, God has a purpose. Again, that we're not fully aware of. His purpose is to share the gospel into all the world. But how he chooses to do that, through what means he chooses to do that, through the efforts that are put forth or the attacks that are made, God still has the same purpose. He'll preach the gospel to every creature. The one who is willing to believe that message, that there is no salvation apart from Christ, Forgiveness of sins can only be granted through the remission of sins being brought about by baptism for the remission of those sins to be raised to walk that new life. And it can only be achieved by our then living this new life and willingness to put self to death. Self arises each day that we arise. Each day that we arise, we have that desire, we have that understanding of wanting to believe that what we do, what we say, how we act is in accordance with his will. Sometimes we become deceived and sometimes we need to be reminded we need to go back to the source. We need as individuals, and we need collectively to go back to God's Word and to decide that indeed that is what God wants us to do. And to the best of our ability, with God's help, we want to be His servants striving to be of the same mind, bringing honor and glory to the Master above. Oh, listen to our wondrous story. It's a wondrous story. Salvation. Hope. Anticipation. One day, One day, 
of seeing the Lord face to face. Are you ready for that day? The invitation is open. Are we willing to follow? To hear him when he calls and to do his bidding. Will you be subject to that invitation? If we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.